Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, this is Allison Lattermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. So today we have kind of a fun way to start off our podcast about black holes. Yeah. How many people can you uh, fit into a 1971 Volkswagen Beetle? Um, 16. Uh, well, that may have been the record at one point, but uh, I, the record I read was uh, actually uh, 17. And 17, according to what uh, record tracking body would this be Guinness? Uh, this would be Guinness, uh, and they insist that all the people that you cram into the Beetle are uh, neither under 5 feet tall or younger than 18 years of age. So no filling it with midgets or babies, because you could <laughs> probably fit a lot of babies in a, in a Beetle. But Especially preemies. Yeah, you could really load up on preemies. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that record that you just spouted off is, is kind of... It's kind of weak, actually, because I was wandering around online and I came across the International World Record Breakers Club. Oh, yeah? This is kind of cool because if you want to join, you have to be a world record breaker. I like that aspect of it. Anyway, I was just perusing this record club's knowledge and they said that back in 1989, 354 pupils, 354, not a single less, not a single more. From the uh, the middle school located in Chunet, and this is uh, this is somewhere in the UK, I'm assuming. Yes, 354 pupils piled into a standard 56 seater London double decker bus. Well, that's a lot. Of course, that's bigger than a Beetle. Yes, so. yes, it is. So it kind of depends on the car. And but even more, there was a there was also a, a British Leyland Metro, a car by the name. Have you ever heard of such a car? No, I've yeah, never neither heard have I. That. I looked it up. It's it's a small car. And uh, I guess they kind of like this sort of thing in the UK. And uh, there are about 21 members of the Plymouth Young Wives Association who packed themselves into a, to this tiny Leland Metro. Huh. Yeah, so that beats your record. Well, you know, this got me thinking. Um, have you heard the dance hit Too Many Men by Boy Better Know? <gasps> you know, there's too many men, too many, many men. And no. then Fly the Concords did a parody of it that I can't actually say the, the title of the song. But that, that got me thinking that... The song is basically saying that there are too many men on the dance floor and that they need more women. And I was just thinking, like, how many men is too many men? And uh, apparently, like, I was looking into it, and like, uh, the uh, Fabric nightclub in London yeah. has a capacity of 1,800. So I think 1,801 would probably be too many men. I agree. I agree. And probably all of them are in spandex as well. That's what you have to do to squeeze yourself into a car. I was yeah. looking at pictures. And if you allow babies in, like we say, that, like, doubles the the capacity. But seriously, if you really want to compress something into a tiny space, you're not going to look at like these babies in spandex or people mm-hmm. piling into a car. You're going to look to the black hole, which is the Another universal night- standard. Oh, oh, I thought you meant the nightclub. Sorry. No, no, not the nightclub, but the, uh, the cosmic phenomena. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, with the power of a black hole, uh, you could. There's really no limit to the number of uh, of college students or dancers or babies or what have you that you could fit into a space. Um, you could you could get them all into um, an area no larger than an atom's nucleus, and still have a few room for say uh, you know a solar system or two. The, the the key to the black hole is its gravitational pull, the same force that holds uh, us on on the Earth. Um, same force that makes us trip and fall on our face occasionally, right. or maybe that's just my clumsiness. Exactly. Yeah, but with a black hole, this force is infinite. 
All right, not even light can escape it. It's it's that heavy. And to understand how this happens, we have to uh, to start talking about the origins of a black hole. Yeah, uh, take us to the stars. A, a black hole forms when a star dies. Basically, what happens is the core of the star runs out of fuel and collapses. This sets off a shock wave. It blows out the outer layer of the star, uh, and we call this a supernova. Huge blast, very bright. And then the star's heart collapses while the rest of it explodes. And as the core collapses, its gravity increases, okay, because it's getting denser. It will eventually reach the point where the core is massive enough. There's so much mass just just crunched down, and it reaches the point where it has as much mass as about three suns. And uh, gravity gets so strong that right at the surface of the collapsing core, the escape velocity increases to the speed of light. Light cannot escape it. When a star burns through the last of its nuclear fuel, its own gravitational pull causes it to cave in on itself. And if it's uh, if the core uh, is mass is large enough, the enormous star instantly collapses to a subatomic size called a singularity. Right. So instantly, we're not talking about, say, the aging process among humans when some little old lady is just getting smaller and smaller and more wizened by the year. This is instantly. Uh, like, we're talking. Uh, the estimates are a tenth of a second to half a second. That's crazy. Yeah. So a black hole has some anatomical parts that we'll take you through. Um, it's not just this mass of darkness that's swallowing up things willy-nilly. It has an event horizon, which is basically signifying the opening or the surface of the black hole. Now, it's important to note that we're not talking about the surface of the singularity, but this is the point at which uh, everything speeds up to the, to the speed of light as it approaches the singularity. Good point. And then, as, as Robert is talking about, you have the singularity, which is just this ridiculously tiny point, smaller than you know an atom's nucleus into which all that dying star stuff is condensed. And then you have the Schwarzschild radius. And the idea roughly here is that if you're thinking about the black hole, say you're looking at it, you know, top down, if that were possible to do, the Schwarzschild radius is just marks the radius of a sphere past which we can't get light, we can't get particles, we can't get any information. And it was thanks to a scientist by the name of Schwarzschild. And uh, the Schwarzschild radius is also really important in our ability to determine where a black hole uh, might be located. And we're only talking about suspected black holes because uh, it's physically impossible to to see them. Uh, so we can we can only look in and sort of look at the area surrounding where this black hole is suspected suspected to be. This includes radiation given off my, by material rushing towards the event horizon. Uh, this uh, includes the bending of light from other stars. Uh, we can basically uh, see how the light uh, moves in towards uh, where the, uh, the the black hole would be. And uh, the movement of objects uh, around a black hole and, the, and light speed jets of ejected material. So you, you have, you know, everything surrounding it rushing, rushing in. So we're able to perceive some of that energy moving. So indirect observation. Right. And uh, we, of course, have to mention Einstein here. Because uh, the black hole really comes out of his uh, 1915 uh, theory of general relativity, uh, and this is uh, basically involves the idea that uh, that motion, uh, the gravity and motion can affect uh, the intervals of time and space. The first really good uh, black hole suspect that we found was uh, uh, Cygnus X1, and it's about 7,000 light years from Earth. Um, and uh, ironically, Einstein himself did not believe the exi- in the existence of black holes, even though uh, they were predicted by his theory. 
So Cygnus isn't the only black hole. Of course, black holes are all over the place, uh, as as far as we can indirectly observe. Astronomers have found a small black hole inside a star-heavy cluster of space in the elliptical galaxy by the name of NGC 4472. It's an enchanting name, if ever there were one. I imagine that'll be climbing up the uh, Social Security Administration ranks of most popular birth names any day now. But typically, scientists think that supermassive black holes... Um, are found in the center of most galaxy. And, and what's a supermassive black hole? I mean, black holes are ginormous, ginormous type things. So to quantify that, um, a supermassive black hole is believed to be between 1 million and 1 billion solar masses. So it's the scale of that is almost incomprehensible. And our beloved Milky Way galaxy may have millions of black holes. Cool. So um, this uh you know, leads to the question, what happens to these black holes? Um, because it's easy to sort of think of this enormous event occurring, a black hole forming, and it's just going to eat and eat and eat till it just absorbs everything and starts absorbing other black holes, etc. But it, it doesn't really work like that. Um, on one hand, uh, like you mentioned, we have supermassive black holes uh, in the center of, uh, of, of, you know, vast systems. And they're not, they haven't eaten everything, and they're not even uh, in the process of eating everything. And that's because everything sort of stabilizes after a while, they think. Uh, uh, you, you have a lot of matter falling into these, into these things, and it gets very hot, gives off a lot of light. Okay. And in the same way that a solar wind can, uh, can move an object, uh, they say that this uh, actually kind of like ends up eventually canceling it, everything out to where uh, you know, not as much stuff is coming in, but the, the black hole sort of maintaining and holding its own. Kind of like how Sean Connery stops being in movies, though he's still a big star, you know. But uh, but even a black hole uh, has a finite life, and we owe this to Stephen Hawking, who discovered that black holes should radiate energy due to a quantum mechanical process called, that we call a uh, Hawking radiation. However, um, we're talking when we're talking about a black hole eventually dying, we're talking a long, long time in the future. Um, a black hole of the mass of our sun, for instance, would take more than a billion times, 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 Whoa. a billion times the age of the universe to evaporate um, completely. So that's, you know, don't try and wait one out. That's all we're saying. Uh, so that's the basics on black holes. Our, um, our knowledge and our theories regarding them continues to change as we make new uh, observations and discoveries about the uh, uh, observable universe, but uh, but that's all. That's it in a nutshell. A very compact, um, dense, dense nutshell. Dark nutshell. So there you have it, Mark from Cincinnati. Your wish is our podcast. If you guys have any suggestions or any thoughts about black holes, send us an email at science stuff at howstuffworks.com. And check out the blogs where we uh, will keep you guys updated on what we're podcasting about and uh, what's happening in the scientific world around us. And you can find all that and more on our homepage, HowStuffWorks.com. Thanks for listening. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. <laughs>